Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industry from all over the globe. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out how to find your calling and grow it into a successful national corporation. And Stan Middleman will talk us through that process. He's the founder and serves as president and CEO of Freedom Mortgage Corporation, one of the largest and fastest growing independent mortgage companies in the country. He's a nationally recognized business strategist, investor, philanthropist with over 30 years of experience in the mortgage banking industry. This year, 2023, marks Freedom Mortgage's ninth time on the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies in the USA. Earlier this year, for the third time in a row, his company was honored with the Top Workplaces USA Award and last year as a Best In-Class Employer by Gallagher. Stan, it's great to have you on the show, sir. Oh, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, you're in the real estate industry, big industry, but your company serves who? We're in the residential real estate finance business. So we lend money to Mr. and Mrs. Main Street, living on Spruce or Pine or Green or Brown Street and help them own a home, help them refinance that home if interest rates are falling, just just following our mission, which is to foster home ownership. Excellent. These homeowners or potential homeowners, they've got some problems that you've identified years and years ago and solved for these people over and over again. So could you describe, Stan, the problem that most of these people face and how you interact with them? I think of it differently. I think of they have an opportunity to build wealth. One of the one of the greatest opportunities in our country for a really long time to build family wealth is through your home. And property values don't always go up and homes don't always go up in value and you have to maintain them and you have to give a little uh, tender loving care. But if you treat your house right over time, your house will treat you right. And I think providing people with the opportunity to build family wealth gives them the chance to have a retirement, gives them a chance to put their kids through college, gives them a chance to make that wedding for their daughter. My son just recently got engaged over the weekend. So we're real happy and excited here. And we know the strain that comes with making a wedding. A lot of lifetime special events and experiences happen as a result of that home. And it's where you raise your kids and you build your families. And for the country, it makes better neighborhoods and stronger communities, and it makes our world a better world to live in, I think. So I look at what we do is providing people with an opportunity to build family wealth. And I think that's an important thing in this country. Indeed, it is. Now, Stan, how do you guys go about, if you will, delivering the services? What's the chain of events that take place as you guys get involved and deliver a mortgage to somebody? A mortgage is a pretty big deal to somebody. It's not something that, that people take lightly. Customer service is important. In terms of where we get our clients, we like to be the lender to lenders. We buy a lot of the 
the loans that become freedom customers from correspondent lenders and brokers who are out there working with the realtor and providing the that front service. And then we provide those customers that become ours, and there's 2 million of them today, and we provide them with the opportunity to refinance their home or to buy their next home. We don't do a, a lot of that uh, origination ourselves. We buy a lot of that activity. And Banks have been moving away from our space for years. When I started in this business, it was dominated by savings and loans, and we know what happened to them. So when they came off the board, they were replaced by commercial banks. And it wasn't very long ago that the giant banks, Chase and Wells and Citi, dominated our space. They had about 90% market share. But coming out of the financial crisis with the changes in bank balance sheet management, we found that a lot of that market share has gone to non-banks. And we are a company that has benefited widely from that. And a lot of the activities that were previously performed by banks, we're now providing to Main Street. All of these things said, the long and the short of it is we have traveled a long road and we're providing a really important service and we're doing it in a really exceptional way. You have got competition, Stan. And so I'm imagining... Yeah, I don't know if I've noticed that. I'm imagining you know how to put them in the dust. So how, how are you guys different from the, all the com- competitive banks out there? So I, th- I think we're different strategically. Our methodology of acquiring the customer, we really believe in the theory of having a customer for life. So to us, it's not just about getting that customer, it's keeping that customer. As we talked about, there's all these life events and reasons to get that mortgage redone or refinanced or the rate lowered or to borrow money out to to make a wedding or consolidate bills. We want to be there for our customers and we actually proactively reach out to those customers. A lot of people don't get this phone call. Hi, Mrs. Jones, this is Stan Middleman from Freedom Mortgage. And we noticed that your interest rate's a little high. Would it be all right with you if we lowered it? And that, that's one of the things that we do for our customers. And we do it regularly. We watch out for our customers. We support our customers. And that's the way we've built our business. And you've got some 2 million of these transactions. You, I think I heard We have 2 million customers on our books today that we service and pay the investors that invested in these loans through the securitization process. So we're servicing these 2 million customers today, and we expect that number to grow significantly over the next few years. Yeah, and I love your customer service orientation. So Stan, tell us about how you built your business. So what was, what's your origin story? Tell us about some of the major milestones. You and I talked before we started recording about uh, real estate going up and down and so forth. So give us a kind of a recap the journey and what you learned uh, by being in this industry for so long. So I, I think it, it really begins at, at the very start of my career. I was, I got out of college and I was selling insurance and annuities. And I, one of the things that you, you mentioned at the top of this discussion was that we've been doing this for a long time which just proves that I'm old and I'm going to prove it again. In 
the early 80s, it was pretty easy to sell insurance as an investment when we were paying 15% in an annuity. And I'm going along and just enjoying life and helping a lot of people get nice returns on their the money that they had to invest. Interest rates were really high. And the investment side of that was really positive. Day-to-day life wasn't so much fun when you're paying a lot of money for gas and the cost of everything was rising around you and interest rates were so high and you couldn't get a home loan. But for people buying annuities that had some wealth to invest and to get good returns, it was a pretty good time. And then when interest rates started to fall, it became a little harder to do these investments. And I, I thought long and hard about my career. I was a young man and I was just starting out and I had a, a, a young wife and a, a family on the way and I really needed to make a living. Um, so I came to the, the conclusion that the reciprocal relationship to investing was loans. Uh, and as interest rates fell, uh, I felt there was a value in helping people borrow money to buy their home or to refinance their home. And that proved not only to be true, it proved to be true over the next 35 years. So I happened to be at the cusp of a trend of a great interest rate drop that in effect has had one of the largest bull runs in the history of America. There's not too many things that go on for 30 or 35 years virtually uninterrupted. A couple of waves break here or there, but by and large, the trend line is straight down. And I've had the good fortune to be in the right place at the right time with the right mindset and able to see beyond my nose and do a little bit of the work of reinvesting the money that I was making and building a business and keeping in mind the major things that get your in your way. Don't get arrogant. Don't throw your money away. Don't spend all your money in nonsense. Save your money. Work hard. Don't be bureaucratic. Don't try and put too many layers between you and the customer. Don't don't provide the same service that you had provided previously. In fact, make sure you're getting better every day, not enjoying the fruits or, or rewards that you've earned. And they're probably the last of the big three, those arrogance, bureaucracy, and the big one is probably complacency. Don't be complacent. Get better. Make sure you're getting better each and every day. And that you think about it and do it on purpose with purpose to make sure you're getting better. Don't get better by mistake or stumble over it. Make it your business to be better. And I've tried to do that throughout my career. So Stan, what's your uh, management approach? How do you go about managing your company? Management team, leadership team, what's your philosophies and mechanics? So I, I covered that just now a little bit. I, I'm looking for us to get better. I'm looking at probably the most challenging thing for a CEO is getting everybody's oars in the water and pulling at the same time. And that, that's hard to do. Uh, it's hard to do with two people. It's really hard to do with 15,000 people. And, I, and the, the, the truth is um, you have to really have a perspective that's that allows you to understand it's not about you. That if you spend all your time making everybody around you better, you're going to improve automatically 
I'm not telling you not to have a P&L and not to make your price include profit. I'm not saying don't run your business in a capitalistic fashion where you're there to make a profit. But if you do your work every day and you think about what you do and you think about the way you go about doing it and you don't focus on you, you focus on everybody around you, the clients and the employees, you're going to have a lot of success. If you spend all your time worried about what's in it for me, there's a phrase that I use, and that's if you spend all your time thinking about today, tomorrow is going to be a bunch of empty yesterdays. So you have, you have to really focus on everybody around you and where you're going, not where you've been or where you are. And I think that approach, I think it's the approach that matters most. And you can substitute anything you want into that equation, and you're, you're going to be pretty successful. There are some techniques and some tactics and some formulas that I believe in, but you start with the attitude and then you apply your technique. And I think you're going to be pretty successful. So you mentioned continuous improvement in quality. You mentioned proactive customer service. Tell us a bit more about your, your company core values or company culture. What's it look like on a day-to-day -day basis being part of, of Freedom Mortgage? So I think when you set out, and I think that changes, what you need to do, it's all about getting everybody's oar in the water and, then, and having everybody pull at the same time. So I, I, th I think there, there's a couple of things that's important. One, you lead from the front. So when I started out, I wanted to make sure everybody knows or knew that they weren't going to work harder than me and that they were going to, have to spend a lot of time catching up, that I wasn't going to chase them in the back with a broom and hit them to get them to move, that they were going to either have to get up with, keep up with me or, or get out of the way. And we established that first. I think that was the first thing. Because if you don't believe in you, nobody's going to believe in you. And if you don't lead, nobody's going to follow. You got to get out in front of that. But the second thing, you have to do that with a plan. Because it doesn't matter if you believe, if nobody knows what you believe, right? So your ability to have a, a vision and to communicate that vision and have confidence in that vision is really important. So it really starts with you. So if you don't believe in you, who will? And you have to have that unshakable, unmistakable, irrevocable confidence because you're the purveyor of hope. The person that leads a business has to inspire the people around them. And if he can or she can't do that, why would anybody follow you? And it's not about what you have or what you've done, because that doesn't matter to the people that you're appealing to. What matters to them is what's in it for them. And you have to show them that following you is the best solution for them. And you have to demonstrate to them why on a daily basis. I say I'm running for election every day and you guys are voting. Uh, and we have to get out there and do our jobs every day. Now, businesses evolve and things change and your inner core. But I really believe you start with 10 people. The right 10 people can do just about anything. Now, those 10 people may change. Right. But if you get 10 people that believe in you and they have a common goal and a common purpose and they go out and they work hard, they can do just about anything you want to get done. And, they, and that continues and you just create layers of tents. 
and those 10 have 10s and those 10 have 10s and all of a sudden you got really something going on. Now, if you try and do 50 yourself, you're going to fail because you can only do so much. You can't have deep, meaningful relationships with a zillion people. Ask me, I've tried. It fails. And, and you got to be prepared to fail and understand why you fail. There's a formula that I follow that reinforces this story. And that is to you plan whatever it is you're going to do. You plan it and then you act and then something happens once you've acted, you get some feedback, you react. Then you return to work and you assess what happened. And then you start over. And if you just follow that path and do it over and over again, you can't help yourself but be successful. So Stan, it sounds like you got 10 direct reports. What sort of senior management leadership team meetings do you guys have? Oh, we have, we, so we do them in a lot of different ways. Okay. So I started out, I did everything, right? So I, mm -hmm. I was really hands-on, but I have you know, two sons that I brought into the business and I had to teach the business to, and I, one's in his late thirties and the other one's his early thirties. So I have to get them educated. And I knew that if I was going to build something that would last, I have to be able to move from having the people that I had. First problem was your first year in business, you got no five-year guys. Your fifth year in business, you got no 10-year guys. Your 10th year in business, you got no 15-year guys. So you need to be able to put that time in so you have other people thinking about you. When you get your kids, which is a wonderful gift, right? They got 30 years of hearing what I'm thinking. <laughs> so they're already thinking a lot of the way I'm thinking. Now, I'm not having to undo them so much. And I made them go out and get jobs so that they would learn how to work. And I didn't have to teach them that part because that's it's hard to teach somebody how to work. I, it's, uh, I enjoy working with young people, but I don't enjoy teaching them how to work. Work in the industry or did you have them work? In no, they, both worked, they both worked at accounting firm where they work until midnight, and get them up early in the morning and make them work on the weekends. So I, developing a work ethic is something that a father shouldn't be responsible for doing. He can show them what a work ethic looks like, and they can have that example, but it's better they get that that first four, five, six years under their belt somewhere else where daddy ain't going to let them off the hook because you love your kids, right? So you want them to be successful. Now I don't have to spend any time chasing them around, telling them to work. They were, sometimes I have to tell them to, to take a break <laughs> and to make sure they take care of their families too. There's a... I think that you have to get people that think the way you think that live your thought patterns, right? Because you have to get comfortable because you're building a vision. And then you have to have the skills and task execution and the tactical execution to become part of a strategic plan that makes that vision a reality. And you have to walk through all those steps. And you have to have people going through those steps in order to really achieve something. And I, I think that success is cumulative. And it's the cumulative event of a series of achievements resulting in having good planning and execution of those plans and performing the hell out of those tasks to a high degree of, of, of efficiency that's 
doing the right thing and getting the right outcome and then piling them up like a snowstorm. So you have a blizzard that accumulates a heck of a lot of snow and you can't help yourself. And in our case, we did it one customer at a time. Excellent. What do you feel is holding you back right now? Gee, I wish I was 50 years younger. If I knew then what I know now, I would have been able to be a hell of a guy. And not that I did terrible, but I could have done so much more. And I have so much more that I want to do. I just need to make sure I get enough ramp time out there to keep going. I'm going a pretty good clip and I'm getting a lot of support from a lot of wonderful, smart, trained, good performing folks that I spent a lot of time developing. I want to have the chance to develop some more. Uh, I want to see us keep doing what we're doing. I think we can probably get to, to maybe 30% market share in our industry, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take some good strategic planning. We're going to have to do big, bigger pieces and more influential decision-making, but I, I think we had the opportunity to do that. I believe that the whole field is open in front of me and I can't wait to get to tomorrow. It's just Excellent. kind of the way I Excellent. live my life. I know you're a family business, Stan. Have you ever entertained or do you have currently some investors involved or is it just you and, uh, and your boys? Yes, there's a, a problem with partners because one always thinks he's doing more work than the other. And, and he's not getting his fair share or we're not getting a fair distribution of the work. Probably can go either way. And I decided early in my life that I didn't want to do that. And then as I became more successful, I didn't believe that the sale of equity would provide me with enough return to make up for what I was giving up. And then, and I think it goes to my attitude. I, I don't know how to lose and I really don't know how to win. So I just keep grinding on. I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to go away. So I'm, I'm not going to get defeated. I'm just not sure that I'm going to ever win either because I don't know how to do that's good either. Because I every time I start to get close to that goal line, I move the goalposts. And it's uh, probably I'm a pretty flawed human being in terms of being well adjusted. I'm not that well adjusted, but I do have a good understanding of my flaws. Well, I love the fact that you're long-term vision-oriented. That will always keep moving the goalposts for you. So, Stan, how can our various listeners get a hold of you? They can certainly reach me through LinkedIn, and I have uh, an assistant that helps share with me stuff that comes that way. If they're a customer, they can certainly go through our website or send me an email. But I think the most important thing is I'm trying to, I do a lot of these kind of podcasts. I'm, I'm pretty readily available. I do some, some videos that I think get posted on LinkedIn. I do blogs on LinkedIn. I do some stuff in the Philadelphia Business Journal on a pretty regular basis. I have a book coming out probably later this year, or early next year called Seeing Around Corners. Okay, good, thanks. It was written by uh, Chris Whalen, who worked with me, and it's really a kind of a, a story of my path. But one of, one of the things that I do as regularly as I can is I, I write and I speak often. A lot of talking at Mortgage Banker Association events, I could be reached through the Mortgage Bankers Association. 
So there, there's a lot of ways to get me. But if you're interested in, you probably aren't that interested in getting a hold of me as to what I'm thinking. And I'm sharing what I'm thinking with everybody I can because it's my way of giving back. And I do also do that through the community as much as I can. And I'm a big proponent of helping the voiceless. The, we're, we're pretty busy with the vets and active, active duty military. We, we uh, do some stuff with the USO and we do a, a program called Rucksacks to Backpacks where active duty military guys and gals that have kids we get them school supplies and backpacks, and we do thousands and thousands and thousands of those a year. And that's that's fun. And I try to be really active in, in the community, either through the baseball team or with the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, known as CHOP around here. We've done some things with them, and we opened the hospital out here in King of Prussia that's really extended their ability to provide voiceless children with a solution to their physical and emotional problems. So that, so there's a great need for that. And when you think about it, our business was built that way, serving the underserved. We're the largest FHA lender. We're one of the biggest VA lenders. People whose voice is not heard need advocates. And I feel that one of my responsibilities is to be one of those advocates. Excellent. Uh, excellent. Excellent. So Stan, what's the one question that I should have asked you that would give great value to our audience? I didn't think of it. So what is that question and what's the answer to it? You did a pretty good job. You teed me up pretty well. So I, I can't tell you that you cheated anybody out of anything. But uh, probably the one thing that I think about a lot is I, I worry about our future. And I started to share with you before, before we got on here, one of my big concerns and my, one of my big concerns are the cities. Our cities are not that uh, gleaming point of light on the hill that we want them to be. The beacon that calls out for folks to come here. This is where the opportunity is. Uh, at one time it was, and I am pre-pandemic, I think we were moving uh, pretty swiftly in that direction. But I think a lot of the, the, the cracks have turned into to breaks. And the, the problems that we have with empty office buildings resulting from work at home, the, the theory, which is a great theory of live, work, play in a community, has altered where businesses are and where people are located that work in those businesses, the advent of widespread, uh, widely available broadband makes it easy to be almost anywhere to do almost any job. And those things have conspired really to hurt cities. The, the number of people in towns, like you can drive around in a, in a pretty, pretty big major cities without seeing much traffic these days. Now, if you go downtown Jacksonville, downtown Cleveland, downtown Philadelphia, downtown D.C., you're not running into the traffic log jams that you used to have just a few years ago before COVID. And those office buildings, a lot of them are empty. And the tax base in those towns, in those cities, has eroded. And I fear for the city's ability to provide services, fire, police, trash removal, snow removal, all the things that cities need, the revenue from the taxes, from the people occupying those buildings and the companies occupying those buildings. 
And what are all those empty buildings going to do? They're not easily or cheaply converted from office or commercial to residential. And I think that the decay of the cities is the biggest fear that I have. And I spend a lot of time thinking about that homelessness and the food insecurity that so many people have. And a lot of that kind of all ends up in that gravity that pulls them into that inner city. And it all has the same problem at the root of it. And how are we going to solve that? So I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, and I've got some ideas. But one of, one of them, I think, is to develop these little pods of cities. I read an article today that Northern California, some very wealthy guys, bought a huge farmland, and they're going to develop a new city north of San Francisco so that there is a beacon on the hill. And I think we have to think about reinventing these beacons on the hill that we can take pride in that makes lives better and more satisfying and gives us all the opportunity to be successful within the context of someplace that's safe and secure. Because if you can't make everybody safe and secure, it's hard to go to work every day with a clear mind and do what you need to do for your family. No doubt. You're a bit of a philosopher, my man. That was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Very thoughtful. Thanks, Stan. Now, everybody, in closing, let's focus on the single fact that our businesses don't become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first creating a visionary strategy, second, having a management system to execute that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Now, you can get your hands on the key to those three. Just go to getbillsgift.com. Thanks for listening, Stan. Thanks for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today, sir. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.